Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Thanks. You can have a seat. In the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 5, um, we continue our, our teaching in red-letter living. And, and I think it's important to go back and remember that in our first few weeks, We've said this repeatedly, and that is every time Jesus speaks, every red letter in your Bible that Jesus speaks, Jesus is talking about a matter of our heart. Jesus isn't giving us another laundry list of do's and don'ts. He's not giving us another, another guidebook by which we're to follow, you know, 21 steps to perfect, you know, wonderful anxiety-free life. Jesus is teaching us that it's all a matter of our heart. And so in, in verse 38 in the Sermon on the Mount, in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he teaches on this concept of retaliation. Now, in, in Jesus' teaching, part of what we learn is how counterintuitive and how counterculture his teaching really is. And so to introduce the message today, we're going to have to explain a little bit of the wording and the customs of the day so that we grasp and understand who Jesus was speaking to and what does that mean to you and I today. And so look in verse 38 with me, if you would, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then listen to these next few words, because this is really amazing. But I say to you. Now, what Jesus is saying is, you have heard it said from Old Testament law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so literally what what Jesus is saying when he says, but I say to you, Jesus is saying, everything you once knew, unlearn, I've got a better way. Jesus is saying what you knew in the past was do the crime, pay the time, and make sure it is of equal payment for the crime that you have committed. And Jesus comes along and he says, this is what you've known. And remember, he's teaching about a matter of the heart here. And he comes along and says, but I say to you. So when we hear Jesus say, But I say to you, what Jesus is doing is draw a line in the sand and everything you once knew, everything you know to be intuitive to your humanity, I've got a better way. So he says, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, you talk about counterintuitive. Jesus is saying... So if somebody gives you a backhand, he's not saying, hey, listen, just take your beating and keep taking a beating. What he's really saying here is this. Don't, don't get bent out of shape about everything. Just, you know what? Just turn the cheek, take another one, and move on. But just, let's focus on something that matters here. He's saying what, what I'm asking you to do is be different from everything you know. Culture would say, you know what you need to do? I'm getting even. I mean, I'd go all Bruce Willis, yippee-ki-yay on him. I mean, I'd just go, I'd go crazy. I mean, I'd go Sylvester Stallone. I'd break out the big guns. I mean, this is what, this is what we know to do. And Jesus says, but I say to you, there's another way to live and I want you to learn it well. He goes on to say, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. 
Jesus is saying, so somebody wants to take your shirt, give them your jacket as well? I mean, really? Okay, now, now let me just stop and let's be practical here because Jesus, I believe, in his teaching, when he's teaching these people, he's teaching a group of people who are literally getting bent out of shape about everything and suing one another for everything. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, just stop. What you're about and what you're making a big deal isn't a big deal. Somebody needs a shirt, you got a shirt, give it to them. You got a jacket, do that too. What Jesus is saying is, I mean, literally, do you really think Jesus, when he's teaching a sermon on the mount, is worried about shirts and jackets? I mean, sometimes when we read these red letters, I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, is this really about shirts and jackets? Or is this a matter of my heart where Jesus says, you know what, why don't you major on the major and stop letting the minors control you? Why don't you let me be in control of your life, sit on the the throne of your heart so that you go beyond what is expected where the blessing of God becomes the norm and stop wallowing in the minutia of humanity? Why don't you live my way instead of wallowing in the world's way? And so Jesus comes along, and in doing so, he says, just give them your jacket too. And then I love this. In verse 41, he jumps completely off the cliff. And he says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, we, that, that phrase has kind of worked its way into our modern language. You know, just go the extra mile. Well, what, what the context really was referring to is this, that in the time that Jesus was preaching this sermon, he's speaking to thousands of Jewish people. And mixed in are Gentiles, and, and, but it was law at the time under the Roman government that if a Roman soldier saw a Jewish boy or a Jewish man, he could stop them and force them to carry his pack for a mile. A mile would have been just short of what our English mile is. And you remember, during Roman occupation and during the Roman Empire, the the Romans built 50,000 miles worth of these roads. And at every mile, their mile, 1,520 yards, at every mile, what they would have found there is they would have found a guidepost. And every guidepost had two numbers on it, the number of the mile you were on and how many miles it was to Rome. So if you remember the phrase, all roads lead to Rome, that's where we get it from. It was born in Palestinian times. So in other words, if you were a young Jewish boy or a Jewish man and a Roman soldier came by and said, dude carry my pack by law, you had to do it. You think there's a little resentment there? I mean, what if that were to be here in the United States of America, and let's just say we had a class of people and some other class of people could stop and say, hey, carry my pack for a mile. We'd have the ACLU and we'd have everybody and his brother involved in this and it'd be all over CNN and Fox News and it'd be all over ABC News and Diane Sawyer would have a special interview with the person who carried the pack and the next thing you know, we'd have, we'd have riots and we'd be having placards and preachers around the world would be just going railing about why we're carrying packs and it just, it, it would be horrible. We'd be a bunch of pack-carrying people. The end of societies, we know it, carrying packs. But it was law. And so if, if a Roman soldier did that, you had to do it. And then Jesus comes along. Talk about counterculture and counterintuitive. Jesus comes along and says, if anyone... Now watch this. Jesus doesn't say, if a Roman soldier asks you. He said, anyone. 
So he took the, he took the defining moment who, who could legally ask you to do that, replaced it with anyone and said, if anyone says carry my pack a mile, don't just carry it one, carry an extra mile. Can you imagine sitting there with the bitterness, the hatred, the resentment, all piled up in your heart toward the Roman government and those Roman soldiers, and now Jesus comes along and says, everything you've known, relearn. Take all that bitterness, take all that resentment, take all that selfishness, take all that, set it aside, and carry the pack. Not what's expected of you, but go an extra mile. I'm imagining people sat there on that hill and crossed their arms and thought, wow, really? Jesus, really? Why can't I just do what's expected of me? You see, I mean, along the way, somehow in the American church, we, we said yes to Jesus. We said, I like this concept of heaven. This is a great deal. I, Lord, forgive me my sin, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. I want to make a U-turn in my life, I want to repent, I want to live for you. I want heaven. Good, I got it. But Lord, let's take a hands-off approach from here till then. Because I, I, I'm not carrying that guy's pack. I'm not doing it. I'm under grace now. And Jesus says, I need you to relearn everything you know and go ahead and carry the pack. Now, in doing so, the challenge that we face in this is the same problem. What, what, if, what if carrying the pack meant for you and I? A neighbor is in need and the expectation is, well, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. But what if the second mile is, tell you what, I'll, I'll take your kids for the night. What, what if carrying the pack is a church member is ill? Well, I'll do the expected, I'll, I'll drop a meal off, but maybe the second mile is, I'll tell you what, I'll take your kids to school tomorrow. And by the way, do, do y'all need any financial help? Are you beginning to see how that would impact our lives? What we would have to relearn to carry the second mile. I mean, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You see, the the second mile, because it's a matter of the heart, the second mile won't be an enjoyable mile. It won't be an enjoyable trip unless our hearts are so inclined as to the result of Jesus' presence in our lives. I mean, um, our staff, we we have expectations. We have job descriptions. We have position descriptions for our staff. And there are certain things we expect. And by the way, there are certain things this church expects from me. And this is the minimum, you know, Chuck, you got to do this, 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 and this. If you don't do this, 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 and this, we're going to run you off and get somebody who will do this, 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 and this. Okay? That's, that's the expectation. But what we do above that expectation is where the richness and the blessings of God exist. When we go above the expectation, that's when all of a sudden we see the goodness of God. That's where we see Jesus walking in that second mile where it's sacrificial, where we're moving on. You say, well, Chuck, I just need to get my head wrapped around this. Listen, if Jesus doesn't motivate our heart toward the second mile and what does motivate us is the applause of men, eventually the second mile becomes drudgery and wearisome and burdensome travel. And so it's a matter of our heart. Chuck, I I just need some help. Well, let me see if I can help you. To love your neighbor, 
would be the first mile. To love your enemy would be the second mile. To help those who help you would be the first mile. To help those who hurt you would be the second mile. To do good to those who do good to you would be the first mile. To do good to those who hate you, that would be the second mile. To pray for those who pray for you would be the first mile. To pray for those who despitefully use you is the second mile. You see, the first mile is what's required. It's the mile that's mandated. But what we do above and beyond that, that's what we volunteer out of our heart, the overflow of the presence of Jesus in our heart. The first mile is vital. It's what makes us function. It is that which is required of us as followers of Jesus. But the second mile, that's the I'm going to share my faith mile because I want you to know Jesus. It's the, the second mile is the sacrificial giving mile. I mean, the, the, the second mile is the commitment to serve mile. The second mile is your breakthrough mile. The second mile is your destiny in Christ mile. The second mile is your deliverance from sin and addiction mile. The second mile is your freedom mile. The second mile is where Jesus walks. I mean, Jesus went the second mile for, for you and for me. To live in the second mile means to rise above the desire to strike back or get even or settle the score. I mean, to walk the second mile means that we don't try to prove that we're right. We do what we have to do to make things right. The second mile is where we stop telling the world what we're going to do someday. And the second mile is where we go do something and we get to tell people what Jesus did through us. I think the world's sick and tired of the American church and American Christians always blowing off about what somebody's doing wrong and what we're going to do someday when what I really think he wants us to do is stop yapping, go doing, and then brag on him, which would have been a great time for an amen. It means to swallow pride and abandon our self-interest. The second mile means it, it, it is to, to be slow to anger and quick to forgive. The second mile means to live by grace in the face of the unfair. I mean, you know what that last statement really means? Stop whining. Don't we all know life's unfair? It's just so unfair. Of course it is. Aren't you glad you don't serve a fair God? If we served a fair God, we'd get what we deserve. I mean, here's the great thing. We serve a God who walks the second mile with us so that we get his grace, which literally trumps what we deserve. Isn't that beautiful? That's why he wants us to walk the second mile with him. Jesus went far more than what was expected. You know what he did? He left heaven. He was clothed in his humanity, was born of a virgin on the backside of nowhere, lived a sinless life in poverty, died a cruel and vicious death, buried in a borrowed tomb, and arose three days later so that he could walk the second mile with you, not so that he could watch you and beg you and plead with you as you wallow in the tininess of walking the first mile. Jesus came the second mile and said, come walk with me. The second mile is where Jesus holds us by the hand, puts our arm around us and says, we can do this. Andrew Murray once said, living the Christian life is impossible on your own. What Jesus is saying is, you can't walk the second mile alone. I'll be there with you. That's where he lives. 
The blessing and the richness and the goodness and the joy found in God is walking the second mile. Jesus walked all the way to the cross to be our sin bearer. He could could have called legions of angels, but he chose the second mile. But listen, the second mile can be a lonely road. Just the Lord and you at times. You know, there are really two kinds of people in Christianity. Are you you one of those Christians who are walking the second mile with Jesus? Or are you one of those people that others are having to walk the second mile for you? Let me ask it again. I want to make sure you hear this. Are you walking the second mile with Jesus? Or are you one of those Christians that other people are having to walk the second mile for you? And therein, my friend, is where we start separating those who trust Jesus and those who don't. (coughs) I, I think if I could capture one thought, it would be this. Christianity, becoming a follower of Jesus, is a second mile relationship. It's not a first mile ritual or rule. We don't come in here to follow rituals. We don't come in here to follow rites. We don't come in here to follow rules. We come in here to experience a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, and walk this second mile with him so that we can experience the fulfillment found in being a Christ follower and being a Christian. And that is where in that second mile, it is not only difficult and challenging and at times lonely, it is where we find Jesus. When people say to me, well, I, I want to walk with Jesus, walk the second mile. Well, I, I don't know, Chuck, I, you know, just, this whole sacrificial thing, this whole giving, I, I, I kind of like life like it is right now. Then literally what you're saying is, I will not accept the blessing and the joy and the fulfillment and the presence of Jesus because I'd rather control my own life. Because, see, that's, that's what human intuition says to do. But that's why Jesus said, but I say to you. It can be lonely, but the second mile also, it never, ever ends. You can say, well, I'm at the halfway point, or I'm three-fourths, but there's no end to the second mile. I mean, every, every day, day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, you know what we're called to do? Walk the second mile. Jesus will never run out of ways to put people in your path that need you to walk the second mile. There will never be a time that Jesus stops asking this church to walk the second mile. There'll never be a day short of you hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. There will never be a time in which we stop walking the second mile. We've been called to do that, and we've been called to do it knowing it never ends. But also, we've got to understand if you walk the second mile, you're going to be under attack. Show me a follower of Jesus who's walking the second mile. I'm going to show you somebody who's under attack by two people. You ready? Under attack by Satan and under attack by those that are seated in the church not doing a blessed thing. Ouch, those toes hurt, didn't they? You see, Satan, he's going to attack you by trying to lure you off into some sideshow. He's going to use friends. He's going to use family. He's going to use fear. But then again, there's, there's people who are seated in the church not doing anything who are going to attack. Well, what's your real motive? Well, how could they be that person? Dress like that. Looks like that. Acts like that. Well, how could, how dare them invite somebody to come to church? Well, I know how they live. I mean, one of the reasons most of us don't invite people to come to church is we're fearful that our neighbors are going to think we're two different people. 
Wouldn't that be cool? If we would just, if everybody in our neighborhood knew we're just a bunch of normal people that have messed up our life like everybody else, but we just happen to love Jesus so we can come back and we can walk the second mile with him. And in that second mile, he kind of fixes us up. You say, well, Chuck, I don't know. I don't know about that. But listen, show me a church member who can find fault with everything, point fingers at everybody, and I'll show you somebody who's not walking the second mile. Because when you're walking the second mile, you've got no time to point a finger at somebody else. I, I get emails every week. Many of them deserve it. I get emails every week. I can't believe you said this. Can't believe you didn't say that. Can't believe you wore this. Can't believe you didn't wore that. I can't believe we sang this. I can't believe you didn't sing that. I can't believe the lights did this, but the lights didn't do that. I mean, it's... Here's the great news. Are you ready? And I mean, dude, no disrespect, because I love y'all. You're my church family. You're my friends. But listen to me. My job's not to try to please all you. Because if I did, I'd make you all miserable. My job is to get us to walk the second mile with the arm of Jesus around us and see the amazing things he might do. Can you imagine a church? Can you imagine a church filled with a bunch of normal, messed up people who just happen to love Jesus and choose to walk the second mile? Can you imagine walking through the neighborhood and knowing, I know that dude's messed up, but that guy walks the second mile. Now, I'll take that guy. I'll take him or some pompous church member who's pointing a bony finger at everybody else day after day after day after day because on the second mile, that's where Jesus walks. Say, Chuck, that's... That's harsh. No, listen, the second mile leads to joy. The second mile leads to joy. The first mile was required by law, but the second mile is voluntary. Second mile, that's where your heart comes out. Your heart is shown. I mean, it leads to joy. Happiness is found in the heart. When when my heart is content, I lose the consumer mentality of the American church and I replace it with a contributor mentality. Instead of, I want everything my way. I want you to sing my songs. I want you to do my programs. I want you to, I want you to teach my way. I want the colors to be my colors. When I show up, I want this. We lose all that consumer mentality. Now we have a desire to help others. Show me somebody who's always serving others, always walking the second mile. I'll show you somebody that's happy. I have never seen anybody go on a mission trip, sit there and go, I really hate I did this. I, I, I have never seen anybody. I was talking to Brittany earlier. I'm, you go to Haiti, and when you get there, you just think, this is where Jesus lives. This is what we do. I've never, I've, on all the mission trips I've been to around the world, not one time have I been on the mission field and seen somebody go, you know what, I'm just miserable. All I've ever seen is people say, you know, this is what God called us to do. I want to live with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. This is, this is what we do. I've never seen somebody who gives with a joyful heart say, boy, this is awful. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. We need a contributor mentality. Happiness is found in the heart. Hey, listen, happiness is found in the home. Guys, you you want a healthy marriage? Go the second mile for your wife. Yeah, but Chuck, you don't. Jesus didn't put any conditions on it. He said, go the second mile. Ladies, you you want a happy marriage? Go the second mile for your husband. Well, he doesn't deserve it. Okay. 
But Jesus didn't put conditions on it. Kids, you're here, and by the way, 20-somethings as well? And you, you, and you move back home and create havoc in all of our homes? Just a little side note. Go the extra mile. You want happiness in your home? Go the extra mile. The second mile also leads to rewards. Listen, rewards will only be given to those who travel the second mile and, and travel with the right motive and the right heart. If you sacrifice in order that you receive rewards, the rewards will never come. But if you sacrifice because you love Jesus and want to live more like him and walk with him, then the rewards will be immeasurable. Why should each Christian go the second mile? You know why? Because that's where Jesus is. That's, that's where his blessings are found. That's where his richness is found. The second mile, though, is different for everybody. There's, there's no excuse to not walk the second mile. Well, Chuck, you know what? I've, I got an old sick headache. Well, listen, I've, I've been accused of being insensitive all my life. Let me just go ahead and prove it, all right? Suck it up. Some of us have got such thin skin and walking with Jesus, we've forgotten that every now and then we need to toughen up and walk the second mile. Well, I don't think I can be to church this morning. I was out late last night at the concert. Oh, well, that's going to make perfect sense when you get to glory. None of us are excused from the second mile. Whiners are not excused. If anybody had the right to be a whiner, it was the Apostle Paul. Beaten, shipwrecked, snake bit, imprisoned. This guy went through it all. And here's what he said. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he said? I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm done with pettiness. I'm done with bitterness. I'm moving on and I'm walking the second mile because that's where the prize in Jesus is found. And you know what he's saying to you and me? You need to toughen up and walk the second mile. Over in Ecclesiastes, it says this, Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there'll be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. You know, do what you do well. Walk the second mile. Be different from the rest of the world. Matthew 6, says, Seek the kingdom of God in all else, above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. But finally, let me just say, if you're going to walk the second mile, you're going to walk it in surrender. We sang it earlier, I surrender all. You know what that means? All. I mean, Jesus didn't, he didn't say walk a quarter of a mile. Go, do. On the second mile, there's going to be no half-hearted Christians. On the second mile, there's going to be no whiners and complainers. On the second mile, there's going to be no jealous people. On the second mile, there's going to be no greedy Christians. On the second mile, there's going to be no hit and miss believers. This is going to be a highway of holiness. This is going to be a travel of godliness. This is going to be a, a pathway where we walk in the presence of God. Isaiah 35 says, And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed, the holy, only they will walk on it. So what's the key? 
to walk in the second mile? What's the key to experiencing the joy and the fulfillment and the happiness and the peace on the second mile? Well, we sang about it earlier. I surrender all. Well, Chuck, I I just need to know, how do I walk the second mile? Are you ready? Okay, look right here. Jesus made it simple. He, 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 He didn't give you a manual. He just said this. All you've got to do is say this. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And Jesus, I surrender all. That's it. So if you say, Chuck, well, what does this church really believe? You know what it really believes? Me and you, we need Jesus. Well, when do we need him? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you.